Good morning. It's Aya Wimala, and it's uh, Valentine's Day, February 14th. It's Sunday, and here's the question I have for today. It is minus four degrees Fahrenheit here, and there is still a squirrel who's been on my patio for the last two hours eating sunflower seeds. I know he's young because he's kind of small, but now I have to revamp everything I believed about squirrels hibernating, and when it's too cold, they don't get out. They don't get out of their nest because, I don't know, we've had lower than minus four, but that's pretty cold, I would think, even for a squirrel. So I realized I've got to keep feeding them. He probably just didn't get the word out that you get. you're supposed to get nice and chunky before winter so you can go longer without food. So now I need to find a good book on uh, the lives of squirrels. <laughs> get some get some facts to go along with my the folk tale, the folk tales I listen to and have for, on my own. Well, today's Valentine's Day, so uh, I hope you're not getting overly worked up about it, but that you see Valentine's Day every day in your life. But it might be a, a nice kind of a treat to have a day in the middle of the winter where maybe you have a special meal or maybe you make a special breakfast or your kids cook for you. You know, something special can be nice in the middle of a dark, well, it's not dark, it's pretty bright today, but in the middle of a an extremely cold winter, for us anyway here in the Midwest, um, can be a nice break and a, a good reminder. So, um, I want to do just a short reading from one of the Ashim Tejaniya books because it just struck me. And then I'd like to do a short metta practice with you before before I have to leave to uh, go to the sutta study that Bhante Bhatti is doing at the temple. So remember, you can sign up for those there. The second is dham, uh, Sunday is a Dhamma study, and the fourth Sunday is a Dhammapada study. So I had my places marked, and then I... <laughs> So, if you haven't if you haven't uh, checked into these books, they are really wonderful, and you can find them online. I know Steve has put this online before. Um, well, if I don't find what I <laughs> what I had marked. I'll, I'll read this. This looks good. It's, I'm making a switch here. I'm just, this is literally just kind of opening the book, and this morning it will be just kind of at random finding something. I'll read a few pages, and then we can sit together and do a loving kindness practice. So this chapter is called From Moment to Momentum Daily Activities. And we're looking at mindfulness and 
how we uh, look at our practice. Meditation doesn't happen only in sitting. How do you get up? Meditation doesn't happen only in sitting. How do you get up from sitting meditation to go to your daily activities? Please get up and go with awareness. As you transition from your sitting meditation to various daily activities, please do not forget this. Be mindful. There ought to be continuity of awareness throughout the day, whether in sitting, standing, eating, going, or doing daily activities. This is making it harder for unwholesome thoughts to enter. Continuity of awareness, that's so important. You can be aware of what the mind is doing as you go up or down the stairs, as you put your keys in the lock or open and close the door. Do you enter your room with your head first or your feet first? You need to observe yourself in these daily activities. What do you do when you are back in your room? Do you just take your shawl off or to- and toss it on the bed? Continue to be aware of what you can while you are in your room. And remember in this situation specifically, he's probably, this is from a talk at a retreat. So people would go from the meditation hall back to their rooms perhaps, and he's talking about what they do when they go back in that bedroom. But this applies to all the time, not just on retreat. Continue to be aware of what you can while you are in your room. You can learn from whatever is happening. Every moment is the right moment for meditation. See that all the different activities you can be aware of in your daily activities, from washing your face to brushing your teeth, combing your hair to changing clothes, Try to be aware of all these things down to the smallest activity. Observing these bodily actions may be dominant in the beginning, but it is important to regularly check the mind as the meditating mind is more important than what is happening in the body. Have interest in whatever is happening and whatever you are doing. You want to know everything about how the mind and body are operating here. Also, see what you can be aware of as you go to bed and as you fall asleep. When you wake up, you can be aware of the groggy feeling or wanting to go back to sleep. This is also meditation. What are you aware of the moment you wake up? Is the body on its back? Is it on its stomach? What is happening in the body? What is happening in the mind? You are using your intelligence and wisdom and continually sharpening them for the practice in this way by being interested in the process of meditation, in what you are doing, and by asking these kinds of questions. What is this? What is happening? Why is it happening? When you think about your practice and how you are practicing, You are basically filling the mind with wholesome thoughts, making it more difficult for unwholesome thoughts to arise. Meditation is the work of sharpening awareness and developing ability of mind and wisdom. Here are some more questions you can consider. What am I doing? 
how am I meditating? Am I practicing the right way? How do I proceed with the practice? In the beginning, you may feel a little tired when you are learning how to practice skillfully. Once you know how to practice with the right attitude, both the mind and body will feel at peace. Now here's a, a, another section on pain. I, I'd like to read a few pages because there are a lot of people who are working with pain. Pain. It's greed at work if you immediately change your posture to alleviate a little discomfort. On the other hand, determining not to move at any cost could be aversion at work. Of course, nobody likes these aches, sharp pains, dull pains, or itchiness. Aversion will naturally arise in the mind when you observe this pain. You can begin to recognize these reactions at work and avoid falling into other extreme, into either extreme of immediately changing or not moving at any cost. Is it meditation if you continue to be aware of this pain with aversion in the meditating mind? For example, what happens when you're angry at someone and the mind takes this person's image image as an object. So let me just read those two sentences again. Is it meditation if you continue to be aware of this pain with aversion in the meditating mind? For example, what happens when you are angry at someone and the mind takes this person's image as an object? Similarly, pain will increase when the mind observes it with aversion. As soon as there is pain, the mind is attracted to the pain and pays attention to it. This happens not because it is a pleasant experience, but because it is an undesirable one. What can you do in this situation? While the pain may be quite prominent at this point, please don't look at the pain just yet. Don't look at this pain directly when there is resistance. Check the mind first. How do you see or view this pain? How is the mind thinking about this pain? There are thoughts associated with this pain. The mind will feel constricted and tense with the presence of this pain. It's difficult to live with this discomfort. Try to see the sensation in the body and the mental feelings associated with this sensation happening together. So after you have changed the object of attention from the pain to the mind, you can have an attitude of let it be. The mind's attitude towards it can be, it can pass away on its own or stay for some time. I'll just observe as much as I can handle and I'll move only when it is not possible to watch like this. So when there is pain, observe the mind. There's a little discomfort in the mind, and it's finding it hard to live with this pain. Aversion exaggerates the situation, making the pain seem stiff, hard, or solid. In reality, it may not be that painful. In the absence of aversion, there are just subtle sensations. The pain will no longer seem solid. 
Even the initial concept of pain may disappear. In short, there is some wisdom in backing up a bit, only when you can't handle the situation. Trying to escape from pain first, trying to escape when pain first appears doesn't have any element of wisdom. Lopa is only satisfied. That's Lopa's, Lopa's greed is only satisfied in shifting positions and dosa becomes dissatisfied that it has to change posture, postures. Only wisdom recognizes things as they are. So you can work so that only when you can't handle the pain will you try to back up a bit, relax, and change your position. When making these changes, do so with awareness. This is also a part of meditation. The Buddha to never told us not to move while meditating. If there is a need to shift your body, please do so. Or if moving is not necessary, don't move. There is no wisdom in forcing yourself to bear and endure pain when it has become very intense in the body. Little by little, you can try to increase the time that you are sitting, and you will also find that you are able to sit there longer. Once the mind is clear and cool, with the right attitude present, you can observe anything you want. This relaxed mind, when looking at what was considered pain before, will no longer consider it painful. When the mind begins to understand this, acceptance will naturally follow. So we can develop this with meditation and then keep applying that wisdom about working with pain uh, a little further into our lives. It's a, it's a slow process, but um, it definitely helps. We want to see, seeing that pain as something that's moving and changing. I know that's uh, something I use whenever I have a headache, whether I'm sitting in practice or just going about the day. And it always helps. If I can just see that if the pain shifts, the pain is different, it might be throbbing or it might be um, like a, a kind of a sharp, if it's a muscle that's uh, pulled, it might be something sharper. But just being aware of that movement in it. <laughs> Mary Ann, thank you for your comment. <laughs> Every woman who has ever given birth without anesthesia can attest that relaxation and refocusing works wonders. That's from Marianne. Thank you. That's absolutely true, isn't it? Um, it's, it's that, sh and it is that, uh, refocusing, right? Refocusing, kind of, uh, seeing, seeing something different than just the pain. So we can, we can work with it. And the more we work with it when we're not feeling a horrible physical pain, you know, the more we work with it when it's a headache or when it's um, something that we can just, we have in our daily lives, uh, it helps us as we move towards getting older and aging and move closer to death. And we're all, we're all moving there, right? So, uh, it helps us learn how to be with our body as our body changes. And so that changing body as we get older 
or uh, going through different stages in our life, uh, different things will be happening that create pain. And any kind of pain that we work with is helping us to develop that quality that may be very helpful for us when we're in in more serious uh, chronic pain or, um, you know, the pains that aren't going to go away, but that we can actually work with them. So, um, I want to mention to all of you, if, if you didn't, if you weren't able to look on uh, the Urban Monk YouTube channel, that's Bhante Saranapala's channel. Uh, he, he is the Canadian monk that we've, if you've ever been to the temple, you've probably, uh, seen Bhante Saranapala at some point. He's, his, uh, he's, he does incredible work in, Canada and uh, in Ontario. Is it Ontario? Anyway, he's the urban monk, so it's easy to find the YouTube channel. But last night he had put together, and it's going to be ongoing, uh, a group of monastics to do a sutta discussion. And the sutta he picked was the Metta Sutta. And there were about 20 maybe 18 to 20 monastic. I was the only uh, bhikkhuni, so we've got to find more bhikkhunis. But Bhante Saranapala had invited monks that he knew, and he uh, he had invited, there uh, There were monastics in Sri Lanka and Italy and, all, and Canada, several from Canada and the U.S., and several several monks that, that we know at Blue Lotus. So... I felt like it was uh, it, it was wonderful to be. Oh, thank you, Steve Rich. Just put the contact info. It was wonderful to be included. It felt so. I think all of us just felt so good being together, and uh, the way Bhante Sarnapala did the sutta discussion. He would just ask someone with each of the little paragraphs or agata, and there are ten in the metta sutta. To uh, to, to make some points about it or give their understanding or something that they wanted to share about that gata. And so um, we just, he would just call on someone and we had, we all knew the sutta and he'd ask us to study it beforehand. And then he had a PowerPoint and it's a wonderful way to see a, a good way to work with a sutta. And um, as we went through it, uh, you know, even for us, we were getting such wonderful comments from other monastics that it it was just a, a beautiful way to look at any sutta, and for the metta sutta especially. And several of the monks made comments that this is one of the suttas that is always chanted for uh, when people are chanting for someone who's sick or a celebration or going to someone's home for a special chanting. And we, we even, we have it in our chanting book at Blue Lotus. So it's, we're always, um, referring to the Metta Sutta. And it's always, it's always, our chant, our chanting group at Blue Lotus has always studied it. And we've done it. We've performed parts of it. So it's a sutta that we're all familiar with, but we often don't understand, don't know the meaning and don't know what we're, so people will hear it and love to listen to it, but they don't know the meaning. They haven't 
worked with it in a sutta study or uh, maybe never even in a talk that's gone through the entire sutta. So often we pull parts of it out. But uh, it was it, it was beautiful, and I I could see that all of us were so happy just to be there. It was like being with a group of your uh, kalyanamitas. That's what it was. We are and and knowing that we all uh, come from the same tradition, and many of us had met several. You know, most of us had met people in the group. I'm sure mo- a lot of them knew more people than I did for sure. But it was beautiful, and uh, they, he will keep doing it. So uh, I hope you can enjoy that because it's a uh, it was a happy occasion. It, it was just uh, fun to do, and the time went by very fast. And if you are interested in the Metta Sutta and you love having it chanted, it it really is a good way to have a deeper understanding of what the sutta is teaching and uh, the background of it and how it's broken into, some people say two parts, some say three, and it's beautiful. It was a beautiful time. So I want to spend a few minutes with us doing metta practice so you can keep going when I finish, but I want to do it the way we did uh, maybe a week or so ago. So just allow your body to relax and be in that that uh, posture that lets your body know, okay, now we're going to be mindful a little bit of a different way. So we, we're, we really need to be focused on carrying our mindfulness all through the day. But we can let our body know when, okay, now we're going to sit and go into this special po- the, a special posture that just lets your body know We're going to be silent. We're going to be attentive and give us, have this special time with ourselves. So we're just going to do about five minutes of metta. May I be happy. May I be happy. May I be happy. Now we can continue just with focusing on ourselves. This is such an important base for us to be working from. So you can continue just saying to yourself, may I be happy, may I be happy, may I be happy. That's a beautiful meditation. There are days, there are moments when that's what we all need to be focused on, on ourselves. May I be happy. May I be happy. May I be happy.
than if you were like, may my loved ones be happy. We can move out, begin to spread the same sense out, radiate it out. May my loved ones be happy. May my loved ones be happy. May my loved ones be happy. May all of my difficult people be happy. May all my difficult people be happy. May all of my difficult people be happy. May all living beings everywhere throughout this world be happy. May all living beings, human and non-human, large or small, skillful or unskillful, beings being born, beings invisible to us. May all beings throughout the world be happy. May all beings everywhere in the world be happy. May all beings in the world be happy. Keep sitting. Have a beautiful day, and I'll see you Tuesday. Bye-bye.